0: So I always say, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably never get there. 80% of people don't even know what they want. And so really sitting every day and listening and praying and getting clear about who I am and what I stand for. And just today, what are my obligations to stay in alignment with my soul today? And recommitting to that every day. And it comes down to everything I eat, everything I speak, everything I wear, every choice that I make is either alignment with that intention or is veering off
1: that's rose cole and this is episode 220 of wellness force radio what's up my friend it's your host josh trent and welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well in this podcast we talk about rituals the everyday things we all get to do that connect our habits and self-awareness to living our life well. We're talking with our friend of Wellness Force, world-renowned speaker, author, and spiritual guide, Rose Cole, a modern-day medicine woman. Rose has dedicated her life to the service of others through promoting self-empowerment, self-love, and interdependency, a fascinating concept. Rose survived a traumatic childhood, fraught with abuse and neglect, and was raised in a household full of mental illness, only to be later adopted and raised by a Native American holy man, who inspired her studies of shamanic practices and the use of sacred indigenous plant medicines, rituals, and rites of passage. Rites of passage are really what's missing for a lot of men and women across the world, not to mention especially the United States. But before we get into this podcast, I want to talk to you about our sponsor Organifi, this red, green, and gold juice superfood powder. Not all superfood powders are created equal, especially when it comes to organically sourced adaptogens, but why are adaptogens actually so important? We had a few questions in the wellness force community about this question. Adaptogens like rhodiola and ashwagandha, reishi, and many more, they are this unique class of healing plants. They help balance, restore, and actually protect our body. Now, according to Edward Wallace, a famous Natural path, An adaptogen doesn't have a specific action. It actually works in tune with your body to help you respond to an influence or stressor, which helps to normalize physiological functions. Basically, it gives your body a break and you can get a break anytime you want through your breath or your micronutrients. So this is your breath break. Go ahead. Take a deep breath right now. You earned it. Use this as a check-in for your day, your week, your month, even your year. When you pull in that deep breath and let it go, ask yourself, are you moving in the direction you truly desire? Are you eating the foods that give you the energy to make those clear decisions? Are you taking enough breaks throughout the day, both movement and breath? Give yourself a break today and recommit to your nutrition from the inside out. Head over to Organifi.com forward slash wellnessforce. Use code wellnessforce to save 20% off the superfood bundle pack. And everything else, keep your promises to yourself today. You deserve it, and we're here to help you for less than a few dollars a day. Over at Organifi.com forward slash WellnessForce, use code WellnessForce to save 20% off. Now, we know the power of rituals and nutrition both clinically and anecdotally. Research states that habit reformation and rituals for either movement or nutrition go hand in hand when it comes to up-leveling our physical and emotional intelligence in both body fat loss and in gaining strength. So this is why I'm so honored and excited to share this podcast with you. I got the chance to meet Rose Cole live and in person at her home to record this special video podcast. Yes, we recorded a YouTube video here, so make sure you go to YouTube and search Wellness Force to watch the entire podcast in video format because rituality has never been more important than now. As technology rises and our attention spans are under attack and shrinking, the United States and really our world is in desperate need of rituals and a spiritual connection. So whether you're gathering the evidence that you're supported, that you're loved, and that you're on the right path, or you're simply looking to change the way your body feels or looks in the mirror, this is a powerful show for you because through Rose's story, the trauma and neglect she experienced at a young age to then transcend that and go on a journey to create service towards millions of men and women across the world, what she's learned along the way, You will be able to apply these lessons in your own wellness journey that will help you along your path. We explore Rose's connection to Native American tribes and shamanism, why it doesn't matter how much time has passed when it comes to the power of speaking our truth, practical steps you can take to heal from past traumas, how quantum theory and quantum entanglement play into Rose's work when it comes to shamanism, and redefining masculinity. We've had a lot of attention paid to our previous shows on masculine, feminine balance. Some messages have been quite provoking and attacked. I've been attacked online. This is okay though, because whenever you put your fist in the air and you love something and you shout it out there, you're going to have some people that don't agree with you. That is the beautiful thing about polarity and actually standing for something that you love in our world. And we love one another at our deepest core. Rose talks about this, what masculinity actually looks like in 2018 and beyond, how we can put down the weapons and step into acknowledging one another. We also talk about plant medicine from a woman's perspective, which is something we have not done yet on the show. So I'm so excited to drop in for the deep dive with you and I and Rose Cole right here, right now on Wellness Force Radio. Oh, and make sure you give our show notes a glance over at wellnessforce.com forward slash 220. Don't miss all the links and videos you can get for free with the one and only Rose Cole. Well, I'm just curious what this is. Like, Can you tell us what this is? Yes. What what actually is this? So
0: this is the ancient art of smudging. smells amazing.
1: amazing. I love the smell of this.
0: Yeah, and so almost every indigenous culture around the world has some kind of smudging practice where they work with fire and they work with burning different sacred herbs and plants Um, you know, when you go to a Catholic mass, they're burning frankincense and, um, Jesus, the wise men brought him gold, frankincense and myrrh. So that tells you how important those two other, other resins were right up there with gold. And so the native Americans here, um, they use a lot of this, which is the white sage. And then they, we use a lot of cedar as well to burn. And everything that you burn has a different function. It plays a different role. Um, They've done studies and it actually releases negative ions, which you know clears your head and brings you into the present moment and then into a meditative state and makes you feel good. And certain things that you burn are more grounding and anchoring. Other things like frankincense connect you to the higher realms and really tap you in. So we use them to move energy. So, um, if you're feeling stuck or depressed or upset, it helps to move out whatever those feelings are that are no longer serving. Or if you have prayers, then we focus our intention. Um, towards the fire and we use that cedar to amplify and send off those prayers.
1: Obviously, people can tell that you're very skilled in rituals. Uh, rituality, like how would you actually even define that? Like what is a ritual to you? You've talked already about the, the different smells but what do you define as a ritual?
0: A ritual, as I define it, is anything that you do where you do it with awareness. Where we have awareness, we are breeding and cu- cultivating consciousness. And so you can actually systematically increase your consciousness. You can actually take your present awareness and the way that you think to another level, like a higher vantage point. It's like being on a tree and going a few branches up where you have a different vantage point of your life. And so that's what rituals do. And anything can be a ritual. It can be a, your smoothie in the morning, um, but it's the opposite of habitual. So something you're doing unconsciously. Oh, that's a good.
1: That's a good reframe.
0: Yeah. So something you're just doing because your parents did and everybody else did it. It's something that you're actually doing consciously.
1: Yeah, this ritual. People have rituals that don't serve them. And I'm so excited to like share your story. I did two days of digging on you. So you have this fascinating story coming from really a poverty consciousness in the beginning. Very Um, much. And then using rituals as, as a way to transcend that, you know, to understand like we are not just this physical body that we're born into the world as. And you've come across this in your knowledge and the way you've grown, but most people that that see this kind of work, they see you with the feather or whatever, they're very analytical minded. They don't wanna accept or receive this mode of healing of these rituals as something they can actually use in their life. Do you find that you get pushback on some of the work that you do, these rituals, these teachings?
0: Now I don't, it's very interesting. Now that I'm fully immersed in it and this has become my reality and I believe it myself, now it seems like it's everywhere I go and everywhere, even my dentist, my vet, it seems like everybody I know is into shamanism and, um, and is deeply spiritual now.
1: Your dentist is into shamanism? Totally, yeah.
0: My veterinarian is like one of the most uh, tapped in spiritual <laughs> shamans that I know. <laughs> but when, but there was a time where I was very skeptical myself and I needed proof, I needed evidence. Yeah. And I received it over time to the point where I couldn't deny it anymore.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of us learn rituals from family. Sure. And and your uncle was huge. He played a huge role in your life. Uh, You're 11 when he first kind of opened you up to this world, right, of healing. What was that like? Like, Do you remember, it? can you take us to that moment when you were 11 and and you guys actually had that opening of the door to this area that you thrive in now?
0: Yes. Well, it's an interesting story because My uncle, um, he was Apache, he was Native American. But when we were younger and I was first adopted by him and he raised me like a father along with my aunt, he was actually a very volatile person. And he would kind of knock us around and he was very unconscious about things. But I watched over time, though these practices and things that I now practice, I watched how they transformed him personally. And towards the end of his life, he was literally a holy man. And he was holding such a state of unconditional love and presence. There was no future. There was no past. He was fully in the present moment. It was amazing. So I got to see what happens when you actually put some of these rituals and rites of passage into practice over time. And so he, I had the great honor and privilege of being able to participate in things like sweat lodges and going to powwows and um, sacred medicine ceremonies. And yeah. he was an, a Native American artist and a singer. He would sing the um, and play the big drum at powwows. And he traveled all over Educating about Native American spirituality and rites of passage and customs and he eventually he had all these wild adventures where he met like the Dalai Lama and he would open up for these big bands and open up for these big huge events and he was um, he was just devout to this path and when he passed over I've never seen anyone pass over so complete utterly complete just seamless passing over just with pure grace to the other side and so it really taught me a lot and inspired my own journey.
1: What did you learn the most from him? You think of him now a lot?
0: Oh, very much. And he works with me from the other side. And what's beautiful is now I'm inheriting a lot of his sacred tools. And so it was right under my nose there the whole time that I had all of these, these beautiful tools, shamanic tools that are now I'm inheriting and being passed down to me, like my box, my medicine box here. He made this. Um, this is a what's called a water bird. And this is a peyote button here that's on the front. He mm. did this art. And, um, hi, brother. How, how old
1: is this box right here?
0: Um it's probably only about 10 years old uh-huh. but he left it and um then it was sitting there waiting for me after he passed ready for when I received my first feather.
1: Where were your parents when you met him and, and did they have any role that played into this rituality?
0: Hmm. well I mean let's see where do I start with that. Um I've That's never met It's kind of met... a big story to unravel. Yeah yeah I'll, I'll tell the short version but um I've never met my biological father. We're not even sure exactly who he is. We do know he was part native. Um and that 's a longer story that we have time for, but I was raised by my mom. she was a single mom, she eventually got remarried. she had a lot of mental illness, and so did my stepfather mm. and so um, she had several nervous breakdowns when I was a child. he was bipolar. There was a major trauma and neglect going on in my house and so um, around the age of eight i was I became a ward of the court and was taken away from them on grounds of neglect. They were also doing drugs and it was it was a mess. And so I was kind of shuffled around from home to home and eventually um, adopted by my aunt and uncle who raised me. Mm. But it really, it made me a very strong person as an adult. It was really like the training grounds where I went deep. It was like my childhood was a constant daily mind, Mm F-U-C-K. It was just constant turmoil from the age of seven on. I wanted to die. I was very depressed and nobody knew how to help me. And so I I was so deep into shame and I couldn't learn because the part of, part of your brain that learns shuts down when you have a lot of stress and PTSD. And so I had post-traumatic stress syndrome and could barely make it from one grade to the next and was in this living hell basically every day. And you
1: were pushed into a special ward where like you're considered to have a learning disability. Yeah which actually mm-hmm. wasn't true, <laughs> right, at all. Yeah. It was just there was a part of your brain that wasn't functioning properly because of your environment.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now I see it in hindsight. I understand I went so deep into human suffering and shame and guilt and regret and all of these things that torment humans so I could learn how to decode them from the inside. So now I can show people how to shift out of guilt, shame, regret really quickly and how to really step into who they, who they came here to be this lifetime. Quantum yeah. leaps, quantum shifts.
1: Quantum. And there was many more quantum. leaps for you too, because you eventually became a model and then there was drugs and alcohol and yes. then there was like relationships and Rancho Santa Fe and like false pretense around what success actually is. Yes, And now tell people what you do now. Like, what are you known for online now?
0: Well, my, my unique ability is being able to see somebody's highest potential very clearly. Like they have a sign written on their forehead. And I can also see what their blocks are and their blind spots are. Right sometimes, away? Sometimes within seconds. Sometimes without even talking to them, just looking at them physically. Wow. It jumps out at me. It's like they're wear, wearing a sign. Like it's just written on them. And I, can, I have a way of being able to articulate and decode for people what it is, what their greatest blocks are, and what the most direct route is to get to their next level.
1: Mm, Let's talk about that. The the fascinating part about this is that the ability for you to see them, it's almost like you can read their energy from their facial twitches. Like, What is the somatic awareness that you're actually studying within them? What is that like when when you read someone?
0: It's so interesting because I didn't realize that not everyone did this right? Because it was just, it was like a fish in water. So I'm reading their energy. I'm reading their body language. I'm reading very subtle things about them, but there's also a deep inner knowing that I have where I'm receiving direct um, downloads and information from my divine team. And that was something that I did at a very young age. I remember being two, three, four, five years old. Um, downloading, talking about all kinds of sacred is- wisdom and information and knowing and seeing things about people, seeing their past lives, seeing seeing their karma and their issues and wondering why nobody was talking about things. <laughs> like It was like this big elephant in the room that nobody yeah. was talking about, but I didn't realize not everybody else could see it
1: yeah, this is like a power, like almost like a superpower. yeah, would, would you say that this is your superpower? Yes, yeah. yeah. you know when I was a kid, I had something similar in a different vein where I always was concerned as to how people treat each other. I can remember being a young boy and going, like, why do people have such disdain and disrespect when they engage with one another? And I came to learn from my own journey with my mom's illness and something similar to yours. It's like, this is actually the gift that we can bring to other people because we've had this dark contrast. On the other side, Uh, do you feel like the darkest contrast for you came? um, Actually, it reminds me of a video you put out. It was a Facebook video. And you're like, listen, I'm going to the police. Okay? I have to go to the police. And I'm actually going to talk about this because it's going to make me have a new presence here on planet Earth, here in the world. Um, I feel like that was a really massive threshold for you. I'm curious if you could tell us about that. Like, why you even posted this video. It was about reclaiming your power after Mm -hmm. so much time had had passed.
0: Yes. So... you nailed my um, my superpower, and now my superpower is showing others how to reclaim their superpower and a big part of it is about using our voice, actually speaking our truth there 's something that happens w- with our voice and the frequency and vibration when we speak things out loud. so as you know, I was um, sexually molested as a child habitually, and it was hugely traumatic for me as a child and also facilitated a big spiritual awakening. And um, I never, it became my identity. Um, there was a lot of victimhood that I had around it and a lot of shame, but I never thought about reporting it. I never thought about, because it was past the the point of um, what is it? That it's like 10 call? years or, point yeah, seven, of years. or something. Oh, yeah. seven years, seven years, seven years. And so this, this happened when I was a young child. So I thought, well, he can't be arrested for this. He can't be persecuted for this. So why, why bother? But there is huge value in us just speaking our truth for the value of speaking our truth. Even if it's, it's not about getting somebody else in trouble, there's a place within us that gets freed when we speak that truth.
1: Mm. Can we just pause and let that land? I mean, that was so powerful. It doesn't matter how much time goes by
0: doesn't matter. What
1: do you think? What was the timing though for you to come out with that video? Why then?
0: Oh my goodness. So I was being prepared for a program that I'm now offering called Truthfully. And for six months, I was told by my, my divine team that I was to birth this program. So I woke up in the middle of the night one night and I prayed. and I said, please put me into alignment with this program and the message that you're wanting to use through me. And all of a sudden I was guided to turn on my phone in the middle of the night. And I was all of a sudden brought to this page um by this famous actress who tells her story of reporting what happened to her with um Harvey Weinstein. Here he was wow. already being persecuted. I'm trying to remember her name. It's escaping Sama me. Haik? Yes, yes. Okay. Did you read that?
1: Yeah. I I always prepare for people, but I I really was I was inspired by this video like
0: mm, I don't you, think had, you had
1: technical complications. People couldn't <laughs> comment with you, but like the message was so raw. The message was so pure. And it was like, it doesn't matter how much time has passed. Yeah. We all get to speak our truth. Yes. No matter
0: so, what. Yeah. So Selma Hayek, she, um, wrote a very detailed post that was in the New York times about Harvey Weinstein and her, um, the abuse that he subjected her to for like 10 years. Now he was already going and being persecuted by the law. It wasn't about adding to that. And she almost didn't come out and say it, but thank goodness she did, because when she did, it triggered a response for people across around the world to say, wow, I'm going to speak this truth. And let's say something happened to you, even just telling your family. Do you know how many people in this world have some, a trauma that happens or sexual abuse and they don't even tell their mother, even as an adult? You, do you know that your husband sexually molested me? Or, yeah. or you know, do you know that my brother Bobby sexually molested me? They, do, they don't even wanna talk about it with their family. But when we can speak it out, li- out loud, it starts to unravel that karma forward and backward. And there's huge, huge leaps that we can take. Oh,
1: let's talk about the karma then. Yes, yes. So I I, I was reading yesterday, uh, seven years, when you have sex with someone, you carry their electrons in you for seven years. This is research. At least, right? At, at yeah. least. I, yeah. So looking at the karma of healing trauma from the past, I mean, w- what does that look like in that video? And what did that mean to actually heal it, knowing that so many years had gone by? Like how many years had actually gone by? 30? 30. 30. So, I mean, the electrons were out of you at that point, right? But the energy was still in there. It was some kind of like an energetic vapor that was left over.
0: Absolutely. It's fascinating. In my work that I do, we're doing very deep shamanic work. And, you know, doing one or two days with me can be like 30 days of traditional therapy, even more. And the coolest thing happens— All the time when I'm working with somebody, they go home, they talk to their mother or father, and they write me and they go, oh my God, this is a miracle. My relationship is completely transformed with my mom, or my mom just completely transformed out of nowhere without even talking to their mom, without giving them books, without trying to make them change. When we change something within ourselves, we are clearing that karma forward and backwards. And what I mean by that is there are two documented studies now where they've taken tissue out of a human body, put it in a test tube, did deep clearing emotional work that changed down, changed that person down to the DNA. And they went to go check the tissue in the tube. And it also changed in the tissue in the tube, even though the tissue was taken out before yeah. the work. Two documented cases. So we know that when we change really deep down like this, first of all, we're changing our DNA. We're changing our genes. This is epigenetics. This is proven. And so of course it would make sense that it would be going backwards to our Parents, or grandparents or great-grandparents' generation, and it also you can see changes in your children. All the time when people come to me and they have um, behavioral problems with their children, I work with them, we clear stuff, and all of a sudden the child transforms without even having to talk to the what child. Are
1: you, what are you actually clearing? What is that?
0: Karma. Well, well, this is the way that it works. Before we come here this lifetime, when we are in the astral, we put together a plan for ourselves what we want to come down and experience and clear for our whole family lineage, for our family line. So we come down here to the earth school, we put on our meat suit and we go and we have certain things that are, we have free will, but we do have certain things that are predestined that are contracts between other other people, other souls. And so we come down here and we get to play it out like a cosmic play. And we get a chance to have get the learning to get the gold that's underneath there, to transform something. Coming back to a place of love, always. It's always yeah. about love. And if we don't, we get another chance next time.
1: This this karmic, almost like resonance, it, some people have an easier game than others, right? And I think there's a resentment around that. So, you know, someone that came from being molested and having going through what you've gone through. There was obviously a choice that you made at some point and the choice was, okay, I'm going to take what happened and it actually happened for me, which is, which is a flip and that flip. It's not as easy as flipping a light switch. So yeah. what was the process of how you grew yourself to be able to flick that light switch?
0: Yes, well, first of all, I hated being alive. I hated being a human. I hated being in a body. I wanted to leave. I didn't like it here. Yeah. It was way harder than I thought it was gonna be. My, the situation I was in, I just thought, what kind of torture is this? It's being subjected to me. I've been forced to be here. I have these crappy parents. All these bad things happen to me. I don't get the same rights as everybody else. It's not fair. I was in total victimization. And then I had this little remembering from deep within where I remembered that nobody forced me to come here to be a human, that I had chosen to come here, that I wanted to come here, and it was a privilege to be here, and that I had scripted the whole thing. I and that's just
1: blew people's minds with that comment, uh, scripting the whole thing from your astral contract.
0: Yes. I scripted the challenges. I scripted the main themes. I, stri- I scripted what's called your essential event, which is like your original trauma. We all do. This is what I feel that the journey is for us as humans, that there is a moment in time before the age of seven when these, con- these patterns that we want to learn from come in. And I call it your essential event because it's absolutely essential in you being able to fulfill upon your mission here this lifetime. So it's between you and another person, and there's a situation, and it could be a father slapping you, it could be a child in school stealing your pencil from the desk, or it could be, for me, it was being molested. But there is that moment that it was the first original heartbreak, the first really big betrayal. And our consciousness fragments, and that's when your ego gets formed, and all of your karmic patterns comes in. And there's certain templates of patterns, there's a certain number of them that come in, with, um, and then there's different flavors of lessons and things that we want to learn. And so then we replay that instance over and over and over again. And that's one of the things I do when I work with people, is I help to identify what their essential event was, who the other players were in it and what it is that they wanted to learn. Because we can get lost, right? We're lost in these patterns like, why do I keep attracting men that cheat on me? Or why do I keep doing this and having low for self-esteem. For decades sometimes. Decades. It's like the same replay over and over again. Yeah. And people get, they veer off. And it's so easy to be distracted here as a human. It's like, oh, the food is so good. And there's like, you mm-hmm. know.
1: My cell phone. Yeah, great people <laughs> to date and
0: Facebook yeah. and shopping. and But you can't take any of that stuff with us. And it's yeah. a total distraction. And so people come to me when they're ready for a big leap. They're in a transition and they're like, okay, I'm ready to go to the next level. I just yeah. can't see how to get there. And then I help them find this original place and what they originally wanted to come here to integrate and learn so that they can actually put an end to the pattern. So they can actually get the lesson, mark it complete with the Akashic Records, and then move on to actually embodying it and living it.
1: What is the Akashic Records? Uh, I've heard of this. I don't know anything about it. I'm sure that most people... How many people do you think even know about the Akashic Records? What are they? What are are these records? So
0: there is... They are records that are kept of the things that we wanted to learn and our progress as a soul. And there are people you can go to that can peek into your record, your file, and tell you exactly where you are on your journey, what it is you've learned so far, what is it that you still want to learn, and they very carefully can help you to make adjustments to it. I don't actually work in the Akashic Records. I, I like to actually show people how to do the work that they came here to do. Mm. And then you can actually send a message speaking to your divine team to help them to mark it as complete.
1: You can't check these out from the library. No. This is not like something you can just go get. Um, but this is this is almost like part of the soul contract or completely separate?
0: Absolutely. It's part of your soul contract. It's part of the soul contract. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How do you feel like you're living out your soul contract now?
0: Well, when I finally realized that I had scripted it all and then I realized, well, I would never script anything that I couldn't overcome, mm. right? Why Ooh, None of us so good. would ever do that mm. to ourselves. So then I was like, okay, not only yeah. am I capable of overcoming this, like I know myself, I gave myself something that I can rock, right? And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, so we're here playing this game. Play big. Why can't I just play big? I'm deciding that I'm playing big. I'm deciding that this is complete and that's complete and I'm just gonna live as if, I have the power to completely transcend all of this. And then I started to transcend really, really fast. And all of the things that I'd learned in my childhood being in this like living mind, F-U-C-K, I started to decode all of these different um, templates and ways of being in the world and processes to learn to help myself get out of things really fast. And so now I'm literally a different person every week. I transcend at a very, very fast pace. And the people that are close to me, that they're usually in awe. They're like, Rose, it's literally like you're a different person from a week ago. And as soon as I can see a pattern and identify it, because we have all these patterns that are in our subconscious that are out of our conscious awareness. But once I can see it and I have it in my scope, it's done.
1: Don't you think most of these patterns are around worthiness? Like at some point, all roads lead to self-love and self-worth.
0: Absolutely. Right?
1: It's like they all, they all kind of like get cracked there and then it bleeds out. And it's like none of these thoughts, none of these thoughts that we think are actually us. And yeah. this is my path as well. Um, how do you work with people when these thoughts start to bleed through that aren't true? Uh, do you do an inventory of the thoughts or do you oh, just focus on something else?
0: Yes. I help people to identify what their beliefs are, what the patterns are, what their thoughts, and I show them how to stop it, how to stop the, the thoughts. It's amazing. People, and I've done this myself, we can be wrapped up in certain thought patterns for years and years and years of our life. Yeah, I had yeah. just this year, I blew through a couple, a bunch of big patterns, but so I had a absolute phobia of the darkness. I had also a phobia of wildlife, and so I chose to go on a vision quest. So this is one of the things I did. I I was going to go on a three-day, no food, no water. Water I had, um, but by myself out in the wilderness, I had a guide take me part way, And because I know how to work with the quantum field and do quantum shifts now— before we even stepped onto the path to walk the hour and a half in the darkness down to the place where I was gonna be sleeping by myself, no sleep, no tent, just in a sleeping bag on the ground, which would have been my absolute worst nightmare. By the time we even stepped on the path, the phobias were gone completely gone. Like to the point where I just got to enjoy my experience. There was no moon out. It was the darkest it could possibly be. Perfect for you. Perfect. And I was elated to be out in nature. It was like I couldn't, it was hard for me to even relate to the place where I used to be afraid minutes before of the dark and wilderness.
1: It's almost like a systemic desensitization where you take yourself to the thing that scares you a little bit at a time. But it sounds like with Vision Quest, you just jump right in. There's no systematic process. Like you're scared of the dark. I'm going to go to the forest for three days and lay in the dark.
0: Well, my, I used to be, oh, well, let's talk about this forever and let's slowly massage things out. But now I'm like... Because I know what can happen and what's possible with quantum shifts and transformation, I I like to get in and do work very fast. So Mm. it may not be a vision quest. There's lots of different ways that I work with people. I show people how to shift things like that, where within minutes, literally, you can take some of the biggest patterns of your life and just shift.
1: <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned the quantum field. How would you define this entanglement? You know, that you take the tissue out and you do healing with the person and the tissue heals as well. This is quantum entanglement. These things are connected. Right. Uh, how does quantum entanglement, how does quantum theory plug into your work? And like, what do you actually see quantum connection as? What yeah. does that mean?
0: Yeah. Um, well, I did hear something recently, which Um, and forgive me because I'm going to butcher this because I've never actually formally studied any of this. I've just always known from the age of like three, four, five, you could have had this conversation with me and I I understood how I just came in with a lot of sacred knowledge from the other side. But um, is it the, um, what is it in the center of the atom? Is it the proton?
1: I think it's the nucleus. Yeah, something like that. Okay, I should know that because I took that in school. I did too, but I
0: don't remember. (laughs) Anyway, the space from the nucleus to the proton, like there's, if you were to take out the space and just take the atom, the center of the atom from all of creation, okay, all of the entire world, it would equal to the size of a sugar cube, one sugar cube. So what is the rest of the space within the atom? There's a huge space. So if you look at everything, everything is uh, made out of energy, right? But the actual matter of the entire planet and everything in it actually equals to the size of a sugar cube. So what is in the rest of these, these atoms, this space where we used to just think that it was just, what? what is it, air? What, what mm-hmm, is it? Mm-hmm. Well, there, that is the field of possibility. And within that field is consciousness. And so what shamans have known for eternity is how to access and work with this field of possibility. And you do it with focusing your thoughts. And so what shamanism is, is basically quantum physics, you're using your faith and your belief and your thoughts to focus on whether it's fire and smudging or doing some kind of a ritual, you're focusing your attention and you're able to change your reality at a really, really fast pace.
1: This, this changing of the reality, um... A lot of people do this through medicine, but you can also get it in many different ways. You can do holotropic breathing, you can go for a workout. Uh, What is your way outside of plant medicine? Because I'm really excited to talk to you about plant medicine and, and what you do in that regard. But what is the way that you take that loving ownership of that state outside of plant medicine is it through mm-hmm. any kind of specific exercise practice or breathing or what's that look like for you
0: well meditation is a really big one right we, we know that 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 shifts our consciousness faster than just about anything else but i have different processes that i take people through how to decode and hack their mind um i
1: hack in a good way though yeah i yeah. hear the word hack i'm like whoa
0: like hacking with a it knife, have to like be it bad. sounds like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah.
1: Like but, even biohacking. I hear biohacking. I'm like, that's that just doesn't sound that great. Yeah,
0: yeah. But people come to me that are highly intelligent, and their mind is almost like Fort Knox. And they'll have something. They'll have a blind spot that is so hard to decover, like uncover and decode. And I can show them how to decode it. So I have people that come to me that are psychologists or Ivy League professors, or I even had recently a psychiatrist who came to me who has like the top level of security clearance in the country. So these are highly intelligent people that know a lot about psychology, right? But they have their own blind spots where they've compartmentalized things in their mind so they can't see what their blocks are and how to go to the next level. So I can show them how to access and find those so that they can actually decode them and go to the next level. So I've created all these different processes for identifying like sh- shame, guilt, and regret are some of the big ones that really plague most people. Yeah. So I show them how to find what they're holding guilt, shame, and regret about and how to transmute it. And then it opens up huge doors. That's so it's one of the many processes that I use with people. And this
1: is mainly women that come to you that are attracted to your work, but you've also worked with men, I'm sure. Oh
0: yeah. I you, work with men. I work with couples. I have couples that fly in and work with me, but I work with men too.
1: Yeah. I think the, the voice of masculinity right now, and, and we'll get to the plant medicine in just a second it's like we see lewis house we see all these movie stars talking about like you know what men just something you posted recently men that don't receive enough touch is an epidemic in our country right now yeah and i can relate to this it's like you know i work a lot at home and it's like i need to be held too (laughs) Men, men need this human connection right um how do you how do you think that this narrative around men softening but still holding their power can be actually achieved in our current society
0: Mm, I love this question. I just did a call with my community on this topic. I think we need to define, redefine what masculinity looks like. It's not about being tough. It's not about having to put up this armor and be invincible. When a man can cry and be vulnerable, that's incredibly masculine.
1: And it's really hard. I'm I think sure, people forget, all, like, for a guy to be really challenging. Like, yeah,
0: because it's been like, you know, decades of crazy conditioning. And yeah. women haven't had that same conditioning. We can cry and we can be vulnerable and we can be sensitive. And so, you know, this whole thing about the patriarchy, like, down with the patriarchy and like women, like, jumping on this bandwagon, I think it divides us a lot because yeah. then it makes it two different teams when really each of us has the divine masculine and feminine within ourselves. And so, my whole thing is instead of looking at somebody as being masculine or feminine we're all on a spectrum actually and how do we reach out and actually just meet in unity and so we actually had this big thing happen in my women's community recently we it was a women's community and we had two men that said hey we we're really resonating with your work and we want to join and we realized like wow by keeping out the men we are Creating more polarization in two teams, and so now we have now it's the Walking Beauty tribe instead of so Sister <laughs> Tribe. And, yes, Rose, yeah. uh,
1: I love this because the the Me Too, we know that it's shifting to We Too. And yes. You and I had dinner and yeah. we talked about this. It's, like, it's not us versus each other. The yes. only way that the healing is going to happen is collectively together. Yes. And you know, we had um, Brad Burge from MAPS organization uh, talking about psychedelic healing on the show just a few weeks ago. And I'm thinking about cool. the way that you use medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, you're this modern medicine woman in our digitally focused world, but yet you're bringing people back to the earth back to the clouds and dirt where the healing can actually occur. It can't, you can't heal through a phone. It's just not, doesn't work that way. How would you describe the work that you do with plant medicine now? Like, what does that mean to you? And and what's the way that you actually tell people when they ask you?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I do work with people virtually too. We work over video and there's a lot I can do virtually, but yes, people usually fly in at some point to work with me in person. And I've been studying sacred plants for over 20 years. And, um, every culture around the world, pretty much every culture around the world has sacred plants that they've been using that facilitate spiritual awakening. And so you can study the Druids and you can study down in Peru. Of course, ayahuasca is really big right now. Um, It's making waves across the world and shifting our consciousness really fast. And in the path here in North America, we have the peyote. And so I, sacred plants have been instrumental in my own awakening over the last 20 years, quantum, quantum healing and shifts. It's only one of the tools that I use, yeah. but um, we have the great honor now of being um, having our own branch to a Native American church, as I was mentioning to you. And so now I'm able to use this work um, totally legally.
1: Tell us about that. You have a specific card. A lot yeah. of people don't know this. Uh, Paul Check actually has a card here in Vista. Uh, tell, tell, tell us about this card. Like, How did you even get that? This is a very special thing.
0: Yes. So um, there's a Native American church that's based in Utah, and they went through the process of being persecuted for their spiritual beliefs and their right to use medicine. And so they went through the legalization process and they won. And so now our mother church is the Aklavaya Native American Church. And just recently, me and two other women were given the right of giving given our own branch of this church. So it's called Beauty, Way, and Unity. And there's no dogma that's connected with this church, but it gives us the right to use our sacred sacrament, our yeah. plants, and we're also able to use um, birds of prey feathers and um, parts of birds that normally would be illegal to use, like eagle feathers.
1: This is from a golden eagle. This
0: is from a golden eagle. How old is this feather? I don't know how old this feather is. This was given to me by the man who gave me the right to carry medicine. When Mm. he initiated me, he gave me this. This is a golden eagle feather and this is a um, bald eagle.
1: The the contrast of of ceremony and rituality, uh, the way that you give this gift to people is it always something where there's ten people or more, or have you done sessions with people where it's one person, it's you and one person?
0: Most of the time, when I use it, it's just me and one other person. Oh, this is most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do a lot of private intensives, or couples will come to me on the brink of divorce, and it'll be me and maybe one other person helping me facilitate, and just a private setting. Um, But I do lead smaller ceremonies. Um, It's not something that I do as part of my business or part of something I do for money. In fact, I have never received payment for the medicine work. It's my gift. It's something that is, it's my spiritual path. And so I I give it away. Um, But it's one of the many tools that I use.
1: And with these tools, we know that there's so many beautiful benefits of the tool. But let's talk for a moment here about some of the pitfalls there are people that abuse these tools, these ancient tools. Los Angeles is like completely inundated with people having ceremony in their living room. Meanwhile, I don't think they actually deserve to pour.
0: Well, it's a hot topic right now because yes, there's a lot of people serving all kinds of plant medicine right now. And one of the things that my partner always says is, um, you don't actually drink the medicine, you drink the cook. And so the person who prepared the medicine and whatever ancestors or lineage they are working with is really, really important to know. And so I tell people, use a lot of discernment with who you take medicine with. Really listen to your intuition. And if you have something that says, "Eh, maybe I'm not totally safe here, then really listen to that. If it doesn't
1: feel right, if there's Mm -hmm. any doubt, don't Mm -mm. do it. Yeah, don't do it.
0: Yeah, because... What what we now know is that there are different energies that each person who pours medicine is working with. So I'm connected to a lineage that goes back thousands and thousands of years. So there's a lot of protection that I have for being part of this lineage. If somebody just picks up medicine and they're wanting to pour, Um, you don't know what spirits and what energies they are working with and what kind of protection you have. And when you're using these medicines, you're opening up portals. And so you're leaving yourself wide open to all kinds of energies coming in and affecting you in a lot of different ways. And so, you know, we see people that have psychotic breaks. We see people getting injured. There's recently people that um, died down in Peru Um, because in Peru with ayahuasca, Yes there's a vine and a leaf mixed together but there's another way of serving it with an, it's another kind of medicine which I forget the name of it but when that type if you put in just a half a cup too much then it's fatal
1: This is the toway where they're putting in too much of that medicine I think I heard it something like that Is that what it's called yeah, I don't know but, what the but name but they're not it. pouring it with intention
0: Mm. Right. See, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there were several people that died recently.
1: So it's a really big deal for the setting to be a place of trust, a place of love. Yes. A place where I mean we all have this inner guidance, right? Totally. When when people lose touch of this inner guidance, how do you think plant medicine brings them back to that inner guidance?
0: Well, many of these plants fall under the um the title of Entheogen. And Entheogen means reveal the God within. So each of these plants has a real spirit that is connected with them that can guide you and bring you back to yourself to bring you back to what I call home, that place within you that has never been hurt and never could be. And that's why it's important to work with a plant that has a plant ally. There's a lot of people that are consuming these um, synthetic plants nowadays. And again, having there's a lot of fatalities, even synthetic um, marijuana and things like that. Yeah. Um, there's no plant ally. It's a chemical. When you are using a plant, a plant that has an ally, they are leading you home. It might scare the crap out of you. You might see some things that you don't want to see. You might, it might be a hard pill to swallow, but there's an ally that's there that has an ultimate intention of leading you back to yourself.
1: And really that's all roads leading back to love.
0: Absolutely. Right? And
1: it sounds trite. It sounds like it's almost too good to be true. But uh, I, I remember Ram Dass, he came out with a documentary recently and he was like, you know, I just realized after all my teachings, all, the, all that I really am is just loving awareness. Yeah. That's, that's all that any of us are. <laughs> simple, um, right? Easy. It was total, there the totally whole time. Simple. Yeah. Um, we're going to link so much information about you in the show notes, but I have some unique definition questions for you. So okay. I wrote down some words okay. and I want to know what your definition of these words are. It doesn't have to be too long, but how would you actually define the authentic voice inside of us? What does that mean to you? How would you define that?
0: The authentic voice. The authentic voice is our personal truth, our soul's voice, our soul's truth. There's a place within us where we know what is right for us and what we love and what we have an affinity for. And when we have the courage to speak that and stand in it, then that to me is your authentic voice.
1: I love that definition. Uh, I I recently uh, read an article and it talked about the mammoth, the woolly mammoth that's inside of all of us. This like (laughs) ancient brain (laughs) Mm. that controls us and the mammoth is hungry. Like we're always feeding the mammoth or we're just kind of like petting the mammoth and letting the mammoth know like they're not in control, we are. So I love the way you talked about that. Uh, What about alignment? We hear this in the spiritual Ah, community. I love this. When someone's aligned, then everything will work out. But like, how would you actually define alignment?
0: Yes. Okay. So living from your authentic voice you're either doing things that are leading you towards your authentic voice or veering away. And so that is alignment. When you are leading when you are living your authentic voice, you're doing things that even if it doesn't make logical sense, your soul says this is the way and your soul always knows. When we veer off, it means pain and trauma and hardship and it might seem like the easy way, but when we come back to our authentic voice and really having the, the courage to fully stand in that, life does get easier and there is more flow. And then that's when we can really fulfill upon our sacred purpose this lifetime.
1: And we get to call in support to do that. Yes. Because I think most people listening are like, well, she thinks it's so easy. She's got it all figured out. You've done so much work. You've called in so much support for yourself to be able to be at that place where you can flick a light switch if you want to.
0: Yes. And that's what I teach people how to do. How to be in communication with their divine team. I tried to do it myself for so long and it was like pushing a boulder up a hill and I have a really strong will and I learned <laughs> I uh, really, I'm stubborn but when I finally surrendered and allowed myself to be used as a vessel for my divine team and communion with my divine team, oh my goodness I will never go back. I am I surrender to them every day and that's what I teach people how to do. When you surrender to their will and their guidance, then you are used as a vessel and then they show you how to come into further and further alignment. And you mm-hmm. probably get this too. Then what happens if you veer off the slap on the back of the hand, the, the repercussions of not being in alignment are huge and painful and yeah. ouchy and so not worth it. So now I, I it, my life has gotten so much easier when I just have given that up and just not tried to <laughs> beer off.
1: Oh my gosh. It, it's funny because the, the podcast is Wellness Force. And for so many years of my life, I was forcing things. But right. now I know it's actually harnessing this force. And then that's, that's where our alignment exists. So then yes. how does intention play into this? Uh, how would you define intention, intentionality?
0: Mm. So I always say, if you don't know where you're going, you'll probably never get there. And 80% of people don't even know what they want and so really sitting every day and listening and praying and getting clear about who I am and what I stand for. And just today, what, what, is, what, am my, what are my obligations to stay in alignment with my soul today? And recommitting to that every day. And it comes down to everything I eat, everything I speak, everything I wear, every choice that I make is either alignment with that intention or is veering off.
1: Mm. last three questions are at this intersection of spirituality, emotional intelligence, physical intelligence. I mean, this is what I feel like wellness really is. Uh, Do you have a physical practice that you're leaning into right now, you know, for physical intelligence? Are you doing something new or something you can share with us uh, around physical?
0: Well, Hot Power Yoga, which is where I met you. Mm -hmm. Um, Huge. There was some
1: serious sweat on the floor that day.
0: Yes, there was. So that's big for me. Um, I work out with a personal trainer doing weights, Um, which I love, I do a lot of walking, I do a lot of meditating, and I mean on a physical level, I eat really, really well, I'm a health nut, Um, I eat really high vibrational foods that feed my body on a cellular level because I'm so sensitive. And so I, I have to really eat a very specific diet that really, um, primes my system to be able to give the gifts that I give.
1: You were a health coach for 10 years or more, more, More almost 20. And that totally plays into your work now, which then leads us to the emotional. How would you describe emotional intelligence for you now? And then what are maybe like three things? that you do to stay in touch with that intelligence, that emotional intelligence?
0: Oh, I love this. So my biggest practice has been unconditional love. And that word is, that phrase is overused. It truly means to love without conditions. And so my practice is if there's anyone that does anything that I'm not fully loving, doesn't mean I have to like it, doesn't mean I have to withstand it or um, allow it to be rampant in my life, but to love that person, no matter what, that is love without condition. And I've of course had many spiritual teachers in my life (laughs) who have brought endless opportunities to relearn this. And I went through a very, very painful divorce, which gave me like a PhD in unconditional love, Mm. where I realized I was either gonna rise above this and I was gonna be like a Jedi ninja with my unconditional love, or it was (laughs) gonna take me down. And I was, I don't know what was gonna happen. It was so painful. But I got to the place where I said, okay, I can separate the behavior and the things I don't like that he's doing or this person is doing, and I can still love them without condition. Mm. And I think if we all start walking around from that place, Um and then the other thing is to really see that everything is happening for you. And so I reframe it in my mind when something's happening, I say, okay, what is the learning? What is the lesson? What can I learn about myself in this moment? And as soon as I do it it pop it it remedies itself. Once we can get the lesson, it's amazing. The behavior with other people, it just stops. The thing that's the universe doesn't have to get our attention and keep trying to teach us this lesson if we can just get the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: something repeats until it's actually embodied, yes, right? Yes, um, So we're about to wrap the show here and my last question, and, and it's been such a joy to get to know you. You know, Aww. hearing about your story, we just scratched the surface of you. So we're gonna put all these links in our show notes so people can dig in, because we just had a little bit of time here in our capsule. Yeah. But this intersection of wellness, like wellness in 2018 is really challenging for a lot of people, because not only are we going through a consciousness uprising as a society, We're also at the same time experiencing what happens when you shake the almond tree. There's a lot of almonds that die. And so I feel like we're growing and we're dying at the same time right now. Like, how do you see wellness? How does Rose describe wellness for 2018?
0: Well, I think that wellness is a stream of consciousness that you're either in alignment with or you've veered off from. And as you know, I did holistic nutrition for twenty plus years and worked with people from around the world. And but what I realized is that underneath every disease or or physical ailment is a spiritual cause. It's like the taproot of a tree. And if you can get to that cause then often the physical ailments, they remedy themselves. And so finding somebody that can decode not just the physical part, but the spiritual part. What is it trying to teach you? What did you design? Why did you script this for yourself? That's one of my favorite questions. Why did I script this for myself? The disease, the discomfort, everything. And just like we do a physical cleanse for our body, how can you also do a soul cleanse? And so that's what people come to me for, is to go in and do that deep inquiry, to do that medicine work, to find out what's there, to go deep within our psyche, to see our blind spots, because then we can get to those root causes, and then often the physical ailments remedy themselves. Now, having said that, I do feel that right now on this planet, to be a human at this time, we're so we're becoming so sensitive. There's toxic overload. Consciousness—it's like a fish in a in a lake. If there is an extreme climate change, that first generation of fish is going to take the brunt of that. Right in the future, they might grow different gills and they're going to adapt to the climate change. But right now, there's a huge leap in consciousness, and our physical bodies and our adrenal glands and everything else haven't quite caught up. So there are certain nutrients and super foods and things that we can take that are absolutely essential to keep us primed to be able to do the work that we do. Because it's kind of like having a 30-watt light bulb and trying to run a 1,000 watts of divine energy through this 30-watt light bulb, and we're burning our light bulb out. Hmm. And so things like adaptogenic herbs, a really good magnesium uh, form... um, There's a lot of superfoods that I take. I'm constantly trying to get the most nutrients down in the smallest little amount of food. I take a lot of split cell um, chlorella to help pull out those heavy metals and toxins. And I feel like that's really important at this time.
1: It's so important to take care of ourselves because that's the only way the planet's going to heal. I think when I was young, I used to be like, I want to change the world. And I'm like, well, start with yourself, dude.
0: Totally. Take care of yourself (laughs) first,
1: right? Uh, (laughs) Rosecold.com is where people can learn more about you. Where are you the most active? Like, If somebody wants to reach out to you digitally, where can they go?
0: Um, They can go to my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Rituality Community, um, or they can go to my website and send a, a message directly to me through the email on there. I get every single email and read them myself. And yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll definitely put that in the notes today. And it's been such a joy to get to know you and to spotlight your work. Uh, I really respect and acknowledge all that you do for our world. You know, we need more Rose coals in the world because the only way we're going to heal as a collective is if this message grows bigger. So thanks so much for what you do.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Josh. It has been an absolute pleasure to get to know you too. And thank you so much for birthing this work in the world. It's really important work that you're doing.
1: forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force Community newsletter on that page and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving and sleeping while you travel. But don't let this conversation stop here. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force Community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.